We're going to look at John 1, 6-8, the only one, that is Jesus, the only one, who came in fulfilment of all the prophets, John the Baptist being the last, all of whom bore witness to him. We're going to look at that. We live in a, we live in a world, don't we, where people want to know about the future. They're, I suppose it's that human curiosity, so to speak, uh, and that concern of what's going to happen down the track? What is, what is the future? And I think probably certainly with the, the increasing uncertainty in our world, uh, which we, we kind of see all around us um, with so many challenges uh, as we pray for through the, through the wars and the, and the violence um, that is occurring, um, the economic challenges um, that are, that are in, in society, uh, the changes indeed in technology, often with things like AI and how that may affect us, um, and obviously the, lots of concerns about the environment and global conditions. With all of that kind of instability and political and social upheaval, the list goes on and on and people want to know what's going to happen, don't they? They want to know what's going to happen. And plenty of people have their say. There's plenty of people who bob up. Um, some can, can some ma- make some money out of it even and, and notoriety of, of kind of assessing well, what might be the future. However, the, the reality is that we as humans, um, whether we like it or not and whether we accept it or not, uh, we simply don't know the future. But God does. But God does and that's the key. He's sovereign and he's in control. And what's more, he is proactive in bringing about his eternal plan of salvation all for his glory. And how do we know that? Well, we know that through the scriptures. It's very clear. And we see, and, and the emphasis today is going to be on, on, on a bit of the prophecy and, as I say, John the Baptist being the last, and we see through the scriptures prophecy that God communicated his key message, his key message of salvation over time and indeed what lays ahead as well. As I say, our reading today examines John the Baptist and he is the messenger. He's, he's actually indeed prophesied about himself in the, in the Old Testament that he is that last, that last prophet that comes to point to Christ, to witness, to bear witness to, to Jesus. Jesus, the one and only, by the way, who comes and fulfils all prophecy. So, nature of biblical prophecy. Well, first thing is, it's God's message. It's God communicating to us. God has used prophets at various points in history uh, to communicate his messages. And the prophets who, who often use at the commencement of their um, prophecy, the words the Lord says, were in effect God's, God's mouthpieces. They were communicating his message and it might have been information about what God was doing uh, what God required of people uh, might have been about the future and in particular it was about prophecies concerning Jesus Christ, uh, the one and only Messiah, often called mess- Messianic prophecies and, and basically God's plan of salvation. Uh, and indeed to, to just understand that um, 2 Peter 1.21 puts it really beautifully for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, biblical prophecy is clearly from God. It's not a human thing. It's not, not man. And the test, the test for the, for the veracity, I suppose you could say, or the accuracy, the truthfulness of um, prophecy being from God, that's explained in the scriptures in Deuteronomy 18. 
and I, I may not have the exact same words here that, that are used there, but um, how may we know that the message has not been spoken by the Lord? In other words, how do we know if what the prophet proclaims does not take place, does not come true, that is a message that the Lord has not spoken. In other words, it had to, had to come true, had to uh, take place. That's the accuracy test, I suppose you could say. Additionally, in Deuteronomy as well, there were, there were other obvious tests uh, that the prophecy was not to lead to other gods or in some way rebellion against the one true God, the true Lord. And what that highlights, the, the fulfilment of prophecy, highlights that the, the, the scriptures are of divine origin, doesn't it? That they, they are God's word, they are inspired by God, they are without error, inerrant, and so uh, authoritative for us in our lives. And of course Jesus, who is God, also um, confirmed by, by the way, his miracles confirmed he was God, obviously through his resurrection from the dead, he taught too that the Bible in full was the word of God. So the scriptures are God's word, his revelation to us. And that fundamental message is in the scriptures the eternal salvation message that God loves us so much that he, that he sent the Son uh, who lovingly and willingly uh, comes to the earth to pay the price for our sins as, as indeed we shared in the, in the communion table to be the atonement for our sins. Jesus being made sin for us so that we might be reconciled to, to, to God through his cross and his resurrection. And the scriptures all point to Jesus. All through the Old Testament they point to Jesus, the one and only, the one who makes the way for us to have that reconciliation with God. And literally over thousands of years, and we're going to have a quick look at these, we look at the prophecies, the messianic prophecies, telling, foretelling of Jesus. And the prophets are incredible. Uh, as, as God, you know, the prophecies are incredible because God speaks and used numerous prophets over time with various prophecies to communicate that eternal plan of salvation, that that eternal message of God's love and mercy for us. And God reveals that over time, unfolds it so to speak. And if you think about it, you know, God creates the heavens and earth in Genesis 1 and 2, creates everything in it, including us humans. And as we read in Genesis um, uh, in these chapters in, in 1 and 2, God declares it is good, very good indeed. But soon after, of course, we have Genesis 3 and the fall. And we, as humans, decide to go our own way and turn our backs on God. And in the calamity of that fall, uh, there's a small verse, Genesis 3.15, which is a beautiful promise, a prophecy from God, Genesis 3.15, of God's salvation plan. The plan is already there, has been there indeed from eternity. The hope of salvation, the promise coming, the advent of Jesus to the earth. The seed of the woman, as it says, who will crush Satan. So right from the very start, we know that there was prophecy made about Jesus coming to this earth for our salvation. And if we continue through the OT, we see... Um, for example, the one and only Saviour, um, various aspects about Jesus that he would fulfil and only Jesus Christ fulfilled. That he would come, for example, from the seed of Abraham. 
that he would be from the tribe of Judah, that he would be a son of David called God, that he would be virgin born, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be anointed by the Holy Spirit, that he would conduct miracles to confirm his ministry and he would preach the gospel to the poor and the broken hearted. Even the time of his death is prophesied in scripture. Uh, his suffering and death is, is made very clear. Uh, the manner of his death is even prophesied. Um, incredibly, the crucifixion wasn't even developed, but in Psalms we, we hear about the piercing of his, his arms and his, his feet. And even his resurrection is prophesied as well in the Psalms. But the amazing thing is that these, these prophecies were made in some cases, well, in many cases, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came to this earth. And Jesus fulfils them all. He's the only one who fulfils them all. So he came in fulfilment of the prophets. And that's, as I say, just an example of just some of the prophecies that he's fulfilled. About 500, most scholars have around 500 uh, messianic prophecies were fulfilled. But all of these prophets, including John the Baptist being the last, bore witness to him. And by the way, and as I touched on briefly before, John the Baptist was prophesied about um, many hundreds of years, about 700 years before he came on the scene in Isaiah chapter 40, the well-known um, passage in Isaiah about the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Also in Malachi, uh, which was written about 450 years before um, John the Baptist was on the scene, there's prophecy as well about John the Baptist. But Isaiah 40, um, as I say, you'll probably be really familiar with this one, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That's about um, John the Baptist coming to be that forerunner, so to speak, uh, that last prophet before Jesus. Malachi also prophesied, Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And John is that final prophet who prepares the way for Jesus and Jesus is the way, as of course Jesus um, says later on in, in John 14. And there are numerous other texts that uh, Jesus confirms that John the Baptist was uh, the prophet, was a prophet. So in summary, there is Jesus is the one and only who fulfils all these prophecies and he alone, of course, fulfils that through being the saviour who, who suffers and dies and is resurrected in order to bring us in relationship in, and, and, and eternal life in him. And we see how this all culminates with John the Baptist and Jesus. In our, in our reading, just from John's prologue, in, as I say, the verses 6 to 8 that um, we're going to look at today, it comes obviously straight after that Jesus is proclaimed uh, as being the Word uh, who was with God and indeed was God and that through Jesus all things were made and in him was life and that he and he alone is the light. So it's in that context, straight after that, John the Apostle then goes in at John 1 verse 6 to explain about John, John the Baptist. Now, John 1 verse 6 very plainly states that there was a man called John, uh, as I say, not the Apostle, but this is John the Baptist. We know that from the other Gospels. 
who was sent by God. Now, first, he's a man. He's not God, he's not an angel. And it's important to highlight that he is sent by God. That is, he is part of God's eternal plan. He is sent out by God. He didn't just happen to be there, not by some chance or by accident. Uh, Rather, his time and place, indeed, like all of us, his time and place is determined by God's sovereignty. Uh, You you might recall um, from the Gospel of Luke, um, Zechariah, KJV will call it, called Zechariah, Zacharias. Uh, you'll see that um, Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, miraculously had a baby, being John the Baptist, who in Luke uh, 1 verse 15, uh, it's said of him, of John the Baptist, he will be great in the sight of the Lord and filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. And that clearly reveals obviously God's um, all pa- sovereign nature and his all powerful nature, uh, and indeed his goodness as well. It's good because in the next verse, verse 7, where it's reiterated, by the way, that John is a man who's been used by God to bear witness to the light, that is, to bear witness to Jesus, the one and only, the light of the world. And of course, Jesus uh, referred to himself as the light of the world in, in John 8. So Jesus is that light that shines in the darkness and John bears witness to him, the light, so all will believe. That's what he's here for. That's that's John's role, that's his purpose, to bear witness to the light, to bear witness to Jesus Christ. So like those prophets before him, down through the ages, he's to bear witness to Jesus, the Messiah, the one and only, the Son of God. So is John the witnesser? You could put it that way, that he is John the witnesser. Why does he do it? John 20, 31 reiterates um, really what I've just said, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So if you want life, then put your life, that is trust your life, to Jesus and follow him. Because whoever has the Son, as John writes later in, in 1 John 5, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son, though, does not have life. And then in verse 8, uh, it is reiterated that John is not that light. In other words, he is not the Messiah. It's reiterated again that he is sent by God to bear witness of, of Jesus, the, the light. So John is bearing witness to the, to the long-promised one, uh, the, the prophesied one and indeed the one that fulfils prophecy. That's what John's, John the Baptist's task is. Indeed, John's at a unique stage, obviously, in in history. He's at the the stage where Jesus has arrived as the Word, who has become flesh, John 1 verse 14, that Jesus is God incarnate, the Son of God, the one and only, the Saviour of the world. John is the one who heralds, he he proclaims, he bears witness. You could put it this way, he introduces, so to speak, Jesus to the world. He introduces Jesus to the Jewish crowds. You've got to remember John the Baptist had huge crowds following him. They were listening to him, followed him. Uh, The religious leaders um, were well aware of John the Baptist. They often, and you'll see it later in John, they inquire about whether John the Baptist is actually the Messiah. A little later in the the chapter in verse uh, 29, John the Baptist says that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
Uh, in verse 34, a little bit later too, in this chapter he recounts Jesus' baptism. And, and John says, I have seen and borne witness, that is testified, that Jesus is the Son of God. So he's making it really clear. He, he just keeps pointing to Jesus. That's, that's his role, to point to Jesus. And he's always humble about it too. He's humble about his role. Uh, again, later in the chapter, he explains he's not the Messiah. Uh, he makes the point uh, very clearly in verse 27 that he's not even worthy to untie the sandals uh, of Jesus. Such is the greatness and the holiness of Jesus. So John the Baptist takes no credit. He takes no credit, no limelight, so to speak. He doesn't boast about his position as the forerunner to the Messiah. He is there to prepare people for, for Jesus' arrival here on earth to make that straight pathway or highway for our God. That was his focus, that was his priority. He knew it and he stuck to it. And he also preached, we didn't um, read this in, in, the, in um, John's Gospel but you'll be well aware of it, Matt, uh, in um, a various spots actually it's picked up, uh, that John preached repentance, uh, repent for the Kingdom of Heaven is at hand. You'll see that in the other Gospels. Again, John was that messenger uh, and he was on that mission to prepare people to receive the Messiah. So John calls for repentance, that change, that turning away from sin, turning to God. Jesus obviously in his preaching included repentance as well. God requires people to have that true righteousness, doesn't it? And that requires a saviour and that saviour who is Christ the Lord and we'll be singing about that in our Christmas carols from, from Luke chapter 2. And I think it's really worth um, pointing out here that God sends John the Baptist for the preparation of people and we too are to plough the ground. He's ploughing the ground, so to speak, making that clear path. And we're to do that. We're actually instructed to do that. And we, we have to plough the ground so that the seeding can occur, if you think it through, the watering and then the increase. God gives the increase. We know that from 1 Corinthians 3, that, that God gives the increase. So there's the hard work of ploughing. You might say, well, how does that practically impact me? How do I help out, so to speak, in, in spiritual ploughing? Well, we're to pray. That's one really, really key thing. I pray for repentance and revival, indeed, as we, we did in our corporate prayer. Pray for repentance and, and revival in our land and, indeed, pray for repentance and revival starting with with me, with us, ourselves. should also pray that uh, individually and, and corporately. So we're to be prepared. And we can do, we can do well to remember um, Habakkuk. Habakkuk uh, 3 talks about, Lord, revive your work. And that should be our prayer. Uh, and if you think about it, you know, from history we know uh, and from the scriptures we know that prayer is behind revivals. The works of God have been, um, over, over history, have been bathed in preparation with prayer, haven't they? So pray for change. Pray for dependence upon God. Pray for the Holy Spirit to draw people to himself. And John the Baptist, uh, not that we read it today, but we know the story that he goes through some pretty tough times. He went through a lot of opposition, a lot of struggles and challenges, uh, particularly with the religious authorities and ultimately the harshness from the rulers of that day. But through it all, he maintained his faith, didn't he? He maintained his faith. Yes, he had some periods of doubt, but he maintained his faith. And we too are in dry times, 
We can see the dryness around us. I mean, it's so evident in, in contemporary society, isn't it? Uh, particularly Western, contemporary Western society. So we've got to trust in God's sovereignty, his power, his goodness. And that includes us here at Bethel Christian Church. And Jesus' life is unique uh, as he fulfils, and he is the only one who fulfils the law and the prophets. Jesus specifically tells us that, by the way, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. He's the only one. He also tells us about that on the road to Emmaus. Uh, as we enter the Advent season, you'll probably hear this um, text preached on or, or read, uh, that after his uh, resurrection too, we note that Jesus teaches those followers that prophecies of the Old Testament have been fulfilled in him, in his death and resurrection. That he being the only sinner's one, died for, the, for us so that we can have eternal life. And the Westminster um, Confession is, is good here too because um, you'll know from that, probably most of you will know from that confession that um, Jesus undertakes the offices of prophet, priest and, and king and specifically related to prophet, Jesus fulfils and executes that office of prophet by revealing to us God's plan of salvation. In other words, he undertakes the work of salvation, obviously, through his cross and resurrection. And he reveals by his word and spirit, as it says in the confession of of the Westminster Confession there, he he reveals by his word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. So Jesus is the fulfilment uh, of all the prophecies and the prophets, the law and the prophets, and is a prophet in the sense that he reveals his word and spirit the will of God for our salvation. So, just in conclusion, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a confused world, aren't we? We're, which is lost, broken, um, sinful. It's a pretty dark place and we know that from, from what goes on. Uh, it certainly lacks meaning, it certainly lacks purpose, it certainly lacks direction and, and, and any stability. But through all of that, we're to take assurance and confidence in God. So let's hold on to God, to continue to trust in him, to, to Jesus, the one and only, his sovereignty overall, to maintain faith, maintain obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, and that will continue our focus, our, our priorities of God, to live for him, and that our lives will be like, like you know, like the said in Isaiah, that we will be like uh, clay, We'll be moulded and shaped uh, by the potter. And indeed that we will bring witness to Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the one and only. And that witness will include, you know, the words that we say, the things we do, the way we live. Um, So we're to help prepare that way. We're to, you know, do that ploughing, so to speak, uh, to listen to the word and the spirit to follow the message of repentance, as I I said earlier, starting with ourselves, and to pray for repentance and revival in our land. Pray too. It's it's not always easy, and and particularly we have opportunities coming up at Christmas. Pray too for the Holy Spirit to strengthen you, to to embolden you, um, that we'll be unafraid to speak the truth. And I know that's not always easy in the circumstances or situations we may be in, but, but pray for that that we will be able to point to Jesus, that we will be able to bear witness to him. And indeed that we may be able to do that with with gentleness and respect with 
with grace and love and humility and peace. And as I say, you know, we have the opportunity over this Christmas season. It, it, it is a chance. Um, it, you know, people are a little bit, a little bit more open to perhaps some things of Christmas. And you know, there's different ways practically we can do that. Whether it be just small little simple things like a Christian Christmas card, talking to our children or our grandchildren about the real meaning of Christmas, actually explaining what the first Christmas is, is actually about. might be through a Christmas visit or it might be making an invite to the, to the upcoming Christmas services. Uh, it might be participating in the carols outreach. It might be passing out just something simple like a, a tract about Christmas, about Jesus being the light of the world, about Jesus being the one and only Saviour. Pray on that, reflect on that, that we can all participate, as John the Baptist did, in basically in being a witness, bearing witness of Jesus. So, at this Christmas time, and, in, and indeed always, we're to remember the only one, Jesus Christ, aren't we? Who came in fulfilment of the prophets, of all the prophets indeed, and John the Baptist being the last of those prophets, all of whom bore witness to him. All bore witness to him. Pray that we may likewise bear witness to him in all of our life. Amen.